The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, hour two. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're on the road here at Single Barrel, getting ready for Nebraska-Purdue. Let's talk some college football and some Big Ten with the coach, Gary Barnett, long time at Northwestern and Colorado. He's currently a color analyst for the Buffs. Coach, how's the week been? How you doing? Well, we've had two weeks to uh, get over this, try to get over this doggone game with uh, Stanford, where we had a 29-point lead and blew it completely in the second half. I mean, it was a disaster. But, you know, the sun comes up the next day and, you know, your chores are still there and you still got to do what you get do. And so now we're getting close to where we're ready to go play again out in UCLA. Yeah, we'll get into that UCLA matchup as Chip's got a phenomenal defense and they got a young quarterback but ucla's right there a lot of heavy hitters in the pac 12 this year coach i want to start off with michigan and get your response to uh well the the situation the accusations some of the evidence with harbaugh michigan and uh just the, the the program itself What's your what's your take on this? It's been going on about a week. Stuff kind of started breaking late Thursday and early into Friday, and it's continued to grow. Yeah, I, I know, and and really, uh, you know, the really the big part of this, the the most important part is, uh, if there is a rules violation, the rule is that you can't go out and uh, forward observe. Uh, the team you're playing in person, which was a rule put in the 1990s when we were all struggling. I can remember the day they told us, you know, that you couldn't send an advanced scout because not everybody could afford to do that. Uh, you know, we, we we weren't making great TV money per school. So uh, they were trying to, the NCAA was trying to level the playing field as much as they could. So they, they eliminated the forward advanced scouting. So that's been in place for a long time. Everybody knows it. If that if that's what they did, and it looks, you know, it looks that way, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. Then that's that's a uh, blatant violation of the rules, and that's what needs to be addressed. However, you address it. As far as stealing signs go, um, you know, college football has been in a they've had their head in the sand for almost 30 years. Uh, why we can't, you know, we have no, we can't use any uh, video or any, uh, anything like that during the game. We can't use a, an iPad like they do in the NFL and in high school. We don't have the, the microphones in our helmets. Um, it's crazy. We are, we are way back in the dark ages from that respect and you know if you had the had the helmet can or the helmet uh, speakers mm-hmm. with the quarterbacks and the and a safety or whoever you designate you don't have signs uh secondly you could speed up halftime you could make everything more efficient if you had if you could had uh 
tablets on the field and look at audiovisual stuff um, like everybody else does. So stealing signs, everybody has done it. I've I've done it. I've it's really difficult. It's a bigger deal. It sounds bigger than it really is because trying to implement a game plan or trying to implement information that you have to your team within the amount of time that's out there. And I've tried it. I've tried it both ways. I've tried to do uh, a game plan based on what we knew about signals but you just can't do it. It's not practical to get the information in soon enough for the players to be comfortable with uh, with the call that you're making. And the other thing is, if you're wrong, <laughs> if you're wrong once, your players are never going to believe you again. And so, because all you got to, you know, really, you try to do pass or run. That that helps you the most. Mm-hmm. And our information about what personnel groups that obviously helps you, but nobody complains about that. What they what they uh, what they worry about is the fact that you may know a pass or you may know a run is coming, and then you can pin your ears back if it's a pass, and uh, you know you can not cover the the pass if it's a run. You add a guy into the box, but the one time you're wrong, I'm telling you, I I can remember looking at the guy who was good at doing that and saying that's it we are not doing this anymore <laughs> because they just threw one over our heads and we thought it was a sweep so uh, <laughs> you know it, it it sounds you know intriguing and mysterious and espionage like and all this and like it really helps you and i'm telling you it's it's we all agreed all of our staff both schools said, you know, it's just not worth it. And so uh, it, the violation here is the violation, and that's sending somebody out, and that's what needs to be addressed. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. We're live at the Single Barrel. Coach, what what team did you um, steal signs from, and, and who do you think – did anyone get uh, – James Bond-esque with you guys trying to steal signs at either spot. You know, I ran the plays in with players. Mm. So I, I just, uh, we're not, you know, and people who, who signaled, they're just setting themselves up for it. You know, mm. if they don't change their signals, then shame on them, dude. <laughs> the, uh, you know, <laughs> criminy. I mean, everybody, everybody knows it. It's just part of the game. But I, uh, we always ran a runner in. I just I didn't want that issue. And uh, if we had, uh, I had one guy that was really good at at, at stealing signs, but <laughs> trying to get the information is and yelling. I mean, you're in a you're in a stadium with all those people. Um, you can't yell it in from the sideline. You have to somehow signal. Well, by the time you do that, you used all your time up. The ball snapped, and your guy's looking at you. So. It's just not as practical as you think, especially with the up-tempo offenses that are out there right now. It's it's practically impossible to do. Coach, I want to get your thoughts on you know what happens next. You've got three entities that that could make a decision here on on Michigan and the accusations and the evidence. You have the NCAA, you have the college football playoff, you have the Big Ten, and from a swiftness standpoint 
I think the guy that could make the call the quickest here is Tony Petiti, and he's got to weigh the league. Like, there's 11 instances alleged where teams were were violated uh, in person uh, with um, the advanced scouting. And there's also the TV partnership. Is Fox, for example, going to be wild about Michigan undefeated, number one in the country, co-number one in the country, not being allowed to play in a conference title game? And then you got the college football playoff that would be ticked off. So what do you do if you're Petiti? You try to figure out what what the punishment is that would match the the, the crime in this case, and you got to be careful not to cut your nose off to spite your face here. You got, you know, I mean, how big a deal is this? It's, I think, to the general public, it's a big deal. I think to coaches, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're the one that got your sign stolen, you're mad. But guess what? Change your sign signs. I mean, <laughs> uh, who's to, who's totally to blame here? It's like. If you haven't changed your sign, it's like yelling out to the other team what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, football is a game of deception, all right? It, just what what would happen if, for example, we ran a play-action pass? Well, it was looks like a run, and then all of a sudden you you deceived me. Mm-hmm. You threw it over my head. You threw a pass on her. You know, so I, I don't know. Let, let's. I, I think it's a bigger issue to everybody outside of the coaching world than it is the ones in and player world than it is to the actual players and coaches. Do you think Michigan should play for a championship? Should they go unbeaten or, or get, uh, get get to the title game? I do. Mm-hmm. I think they're the best there is. I mean, they're they're this year's team may may knew your signs or may may not know your signs. They're still, still going to kick your butt. I mean, they're that good. So. Well, I do think that it it may be an in game penalty. I mean, what the heck if you if you penalize, if you have a penalty in the middle of a game, mm-hmm. you lose yards or you lose a down or you lose something like that. You know, I don't know whether that can apply to this situation. That you know, I don't know. You spot the other team seven points. Or, no, you don't really do that. But <laughs> it seems like you ought to be able to work that out without getting too yeah. emotional about it. I'm I'm interested here. Uh, coach you know well and he played for you at Colorado you know his folks as well Ryan Walters Purdue comes to town and he was so incredible at Illinois as coordinator uh, laid out his remembrance of, of the Nebraska Colorado rivalry and what's your uh, assessment here of coach Walters first year and, and what do you think of this matchup Saturday with Purdue Nebraska's minus Two and a half, tight ball game for both. Nebraska's absolutely decimated injury-wise. Well, I, I think if you look at the schedule and, and the teams that both these two teams play out, this game is the most important because uh, if Purdue wins, they still, you look at their schedule remaining games, they have a chance to win six games and be bowl eligible. If Nebraska wins, you know, there's another game in there for them down the road to become game eligible or bowl eligible. So it, that piece of it is really important. And uh, even though Purdue's only won two, there's four games out there for them, really. I mean, they've played close enough and well enough that all there's four games out there for them if they, if they play decently. And four games puts them in a bowl, and Nebraska's in the same position, like I said. So, you know, they're evenly matched. Uh, Northwestern's playing better defense, which is um, – 
you know, that's seemed to go away from the fact that Ryan being a Ryan Walters being a defensive minded guy and a former coordinator, but Nebraska's playing better defense than Purdue. Other than that, they're pretty equal. I mean, <clears throat> Nebraska just can't throw the ball. And, uh, you know, they're, they just, uh, they were great against the run, but they can't throw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Purdue's been just okay. You know, I mean, they're only averaging 370 yards on offense, but Nebraska's only averaging 328. So, mm-hmm. you know, this this is a low-scoring game. This is a game much like you had last week with Northwestern, I think. Um, the injuries may come to play. You're at home. That's that's a huge advantage for Nebraska. But both this, these two teams uh, should be hungry enough to where it's a battle uh, down to the end for this game. Coach, you have three new starters for Nebraska on the offensive line, and, and all three kids have started. Uh, the new left guard got his first start last Saturday or, or came in for uh, for Ethan Piper and, and played well. But publicly, Matt Rule's not whining. Publicly, it's next man up, let's go. Publicly, it's just lead on the defense and – Let's uh, let's clean it up from a turnover standpoint. Privately, are you freaking out as a coach if you lose three of your starting offensive linemen? Uh, privately, you probably are, but you're looking at your next games, and you're not playing Ohio State. You're not playing Michigan again. You're playing Purdue. They're, you know, it's it's sort of like playing yourself in practice. So you can pretty well see how you're going to play based on how you practice because you're practicing against the same kind of team that you're going to play this weekend. And that's pretty much true for both teams. And, and it's pretty much true for the games you need to win to go to a bowl. So there isn't much difference between who you need to beat and who you are. And uh, now it comes down to playing and actually executing and the breaks, you know, who turns the ball over, who can run the ball best. Those, those two have the advantage. So, the team that turns it over probably isn't going to win, and even though you survived last week with more turnovers than than Northwestern, but you weren't playing a very good team. So, you know, this team isn't much different than Northwestern, and it's not much different than yourself. So it's it, it comes down to how you how the game unfolds. You never know. That's why everybody comes to watch. Gary Barnett with us, Sale Bar City Radio Roadshow. As we're here at the Single Barrel, we'll have some more thoughts with Coach, get his take on some of the weekend games, and uh, for sure uh, check the podcast out, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you can get the audio portion, the video, Hail Varsity YouTube channel or Hail Varsity Radio Twitter. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, Barney laid out what he thought of the, the Michigan. Brandon chimes in uh, on uh, some of... Uh, Coach Barnett's thoughts and just the Michigan topic. Chris, is Michigan was given one win a year the last three years because of these signals. Does that give them a, a game changer when it comes to recruits to win this year? I think they should be given three losses. Uh, you go back in time, and Coach Barnett opened up some interesting thoughts on, on in-game uh, penalties. Uh, you know, We'll see. I know that the uh, NCAA is got boots on the ground in Ann Arbor, uh, swifter than than traditionally they do with their investigation. Well, but. you know, you know what would be fair. The only fair punishment here is the rest of the year. 
Michigan has to give one of their headsets to the opposing sideline for the rest of the year, so the other sideline gets all their signals for the game from now until the uh, the end of the season being the, the regular season, I should say. You don't want to disturb the integrity of the college football playoff, but that's only fair for the, the rest of this season. Yeah, no, I, I get it. We'll have more thoughts <laughs> with Gary Barnett. Uh, that's on the way. Reminder to get buckled up. Hands on the wheel, eyes and mind straight ahead. The driver, one job, that's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Gary Barnett, couple minutes, Hale Varsity Radio. We're talking Nebraska-Purdue. Coach, uh, interested the practice philosophy, and, and Coach White, the defensive coordinator for Nebraska, touched on just, all right, there, there's a lot of flack floating out, floating around out there on towards the offense with, you know, averaging 18 points a game and all that good stuff. And and he's like, look, they've, they've really prepared the defense. The defense is as good as it is, is because of the offense. Was, was that a focal point for you to, to make sure each side of the ball prepped one another uh, and were paid attention to versus some teams that are just defensive centric or even offensive centric they they really don't have the priority or emphasis put on all three phases well i think uh if if you listen to guys after the game Mm -hmm. uh if they're on a good team they'll tell you that you know what yeah we won this weekend because every week we go against somebody that's better uh and we're playing against a really good offense or a really good defense every day and we see them it's not just for one day on a weekend so uh, i think you you know iron sharpens iron and uh that's you need that when when we were good you know our defense was hard to run against in practice and when we were good uh our our defense would have trouble defending us so it's it's it, it absolutely works complementary in that way what did you think of the Iowa-Minnesota finish? I thought Iowa totally got the shaft in that deal. I, I, I looked at that. I was listening to it on the radio going home and from a grandson's football game. And, you know, it sounded bizarre, but, you know, what the heck? I couldn't really <laughs> see it until I got home. And then I saw it. I said, oh, my gosh. There's no way and there's no way that that kid signal for a fair catch and they are so emphatic about you getting your hand above the shoulder. Mm-hmm. He was telling everybody where the ball was, get away from it. You yell a word that everybody knows means get away from it. And uh, he's talking to his guys. He's not talking to the Minnesota guys. And if you watch Minnesota, they they went after that. They just missed tackles. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. They had eight guys miss a tackle there. So uh, I, I just couldn't be- – and I can't believe the Big Ten didn't come out and say anything about it because that was an atrocious call. It was unfair to Iowa. And, of course, I'm saying that now. I'm sitting in my living room. but um, <laughs> you know, Nobody's going to yell at me. That's funny. <laughs> I'm not going to get fined. No. But uh, I, I thought that was, that was really poorly played by the league, and I thought it was extremely poorly played by those officials in that game. Coach, we'll get you out and, and talk some rapid fire here. Handful of ball games: Oklahoma, Kansas. Oklahoma by the hair of their chinny chin chin against Central Florida. 
danger zone. I know the line's up to 10, but KU's not been uh, as – I mean, they, they've had their moments this year. They're 5-2. and two. Is it danger time for the Sooners? Well, it is because Oklahoma's a good team. They're not a great team. Mm-hmm. And KU can be a really good team. They're 10-point underdogs, though. I, I don't know. Defensively, they're not playing like they did last year. And Jason Bean's starting a quarterback, and, and Daniels probably won't see the field again this year because of injuries. And I just not the same team without him. But Kansas can be dangerous. And, and if they can figure out a way uh, to slow down Gabriel, then I they think they make the real game of it. But I, I – I think this is uh, – I think 10's maybe a little too much, but I think Oklahoma probably wins it, you know, even though they're not a great team. How much Southern comfort is drank at the old cocktail party here, Georgia, Florida? <laughs> I don't know. I heard Dan Mullen talking about that yesterday and what it's like going over the bridge into Jacksonville to that game and, and just seeing the sight. And that's, that's one of those games I haven't been able to go to. It's mm. probably – one of the two I need to go to, but um, you know, without Brock Bowers, there, there's no way George is the same. Florida's coming on, but I still think that uh, I, I still think George is going to win it. I, Fourteen and a half may be too many, but I think Georgia wins the game. They're just a better team right now. Oregon got challenged in the first half by Wazoo, outlasted the Cougars. Now it's off to Utah. What a ball game here. Oregon's favorite on the road at, uh, at Utah, six and a half. Did you watch the game last week? I, I, had, an eye, I had an eye on it, and oh I, I, I saw the finish, and I saw Utah. They were down by double digits, and I saw the end of it, and I saw the, the, the old Coach Barnett fade to the green, you know, the old wedge shot, uh, the way the kicker. <laughs> Kind of hugged that thing in there, and, and Utah got another walk-off. They kind of have USC's number, but you got the two most physical teams, don't you, here in the league? No question. And uh, Utah's really good, and, and they just they just do it the old-fashioned way, too. And you sort of root for them because, you know, they're not flashy and they're playing with a third-string quarterback and he's tough. Oregon's good, though. They're really good, and I, I think Oregon needs a statement game, and and I think Oregon wins, but I, I I look for this to be a to be to be a really good football game. Is USC in trouble? They're up eleven or, or favored by eleven at, at uh, Cal. Cal's at three and four, and Riley's been out with pneumonia, and uh, defense is still a mess. Is there some real danger here at USC? Maybe falling off? A yeah, cliff? I, I think there is, but and and this will be a good test right here mm-hmm. because you know they could be feeling sorry for themselves but this would be a good test to see if they're really what they thought they were going into the season and um you know cal's been playing better uh, 11 points you know sc can score 50 really quick <laughs> but they can let you score 52 really quick but uh, you know, this will be. I'm interested to watch USC in this game just to see if, what they're made of. And uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk this week about you know somebody came out and said Caleb Williams should shut it down, and he he never mentioned that. He never said anything or made any indication like that. And it doesn't look like that when he plays. So uh, my guess is that that SC is a little riled up over all that talk. Last thought, Duke, Louisville, minus four and a half. Both these teams are really, really talented. Yeah, they are. And uh, I just don't think Duke can win without Riley Leonard. And I think he re-injured that ankle. So 
I, you know, I'm not a Louisville, you know, fan, but I'm, I'm not a non-fan. Uh, I just think they can play really well. They're favored by four. I think that's about right without Riley Leonard in the game for Duke. Coach, you have a good weekend. Enjoy La La Land, all right? All right, Chris. We'll do it.